helping each other. How many of you, um, this is this, uh, this a quick survey thing. How many of you kind of, you know, when, if you were here last week and, and Dave did the thing, you know, go on your phone and go to um, um, mental, mentee, uh, whatever. How many of you guys went there and did something? Okay, good, good. I'm glad. Yeah, we were just kind of wondering. Did, did you all do something? Chris, you, you did too? Okay, good. Because you, you weren't just on Audible. You, you went on and... Okay, that's good. <clears throat> um, it was a great start to the chapters as we go through the book, Letters uh, to the Church. Um, this really is a really, really, really significant series uh, that, that we're in. And we're doing a series. We're going to go all the way through November, uh, going through the book, Letters to the Church by Francis Chan. And... Uh, why this is so significant is because in light of our transition, you know, as we're in a transition now, we just started the church with Max folks, and, 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 and I just felt like now is the time we need to move forward in, in, in a way and in a direction that maybe I was a little nervous to, to, to head into. And when I read the book, uh, it was just clear, like God said, Mark. Stop being a chicken and just go. And so this book um, gives a lot of the, like a blueprint or a foundation for where we're headed, right? So it's really important that all of us and all of you engage and, and really see what, what God is doing, you know? Um, it, it'll, this series, if you, if you continue and you engage with us, um, it'll change I really believe it'll change your idea of what church is. And, and it's going to be kind of uncomfortable, to be honest. Yeah, because there's going to be some things like, whoa, you know, did I really sign up for this? And uh, it's going to be an exciting time. And I just want to encourage you to, to get engaged in this. Okay? And how do you do that? First, you get a book. If you don't have a book, um, now you know, just go to Logos and, and, and get one on Hollywood Street. Get a book. Um, but get a book and read the book, all right? Just start reading every week, like we did chapter one last week. We're talking about chapter two this week. So, so read the book, ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you clearly, all right? Second thing you do is just come here on Sunday mornings. Sunday mornings, what, what Sunday morning is, we're not going to uh, rehash and do a summary of the chapter. What we're going to do is, is we're going to, give you almost like a preview, a taste, a, a word from that chapter, and then um, the meat and potatoes kind of thing will happen in these small groups we call life groups. And that's why it's important for you to get in life groups. So Sunday morning really is, and is going to become in a greater way in the future, is going to become a huddle. This, ain't this is church, but this isn't all that church is. This is the church gathering together to... to to be spurred on to go out into the world throughout the week and be the church. And so we're going to huddle here and come here because it's going to be great here. Um, I'm so glad. This is so important. This is so important that you engage that uh, Coach Reed Takasuka from the HP Women's Basketball Team says, I'm going to be here again. So he's right back there. He's right back there. He says, I'm going to be here. He said, I don't like to read books, right? 
I like to read books, so I'm going to get him an audio book. I like to read books, but he's here. And uh, so get here on Sunday mornings, and then get into a life group, okay? Get into a life group, and that's going to be really important. Last week, Dave kind of kicked it off. You know, he looked at chapter one um, called The Departure, and, um, you know, I, I listened to it this past week, and it was really good. You know, he, he talked about, he read from Acts chapter two, and he t- looked at the church, and it's a pretty foundational passage for the whole book, um, Letters to the Church. And, you know, there's four key elements that he looked at, right? It was um, teaching and fellowship and worship, the breaking of bread, your communion is just worship and prayer. And, uh, and then the whole purpose of the church is to go out and make disciples. And, uh, you know, it was really a great start. This week, uh, we're going to be, I'm just going to be sharing a little bit from chapter 2. Chapter 2, when I read it, and when every time we read that chapter, it's just a really powerful, significant, impactful chapter <clears throat> to me. And it's called Sacred. And it's, um, that word sacred, you know, I, I thought about it. We don't use the word sacred all too often, right? I mean, when was the last time we used the word sacred? You know, um, sacred means to be set apart, usually by a solemn religious ceremony, especially in a good sense, to make holy, um, set apart for religious use, consecrated, not profane, profane or common. And pretty much what sacred represents and describes is it describes something that is holy. And that's, a, that's, a word, that's another word we don't use very much today. Holy, right? And, and there are two sides of, of the word holy or the concept of, of holiness. And one that most people would say is, is this whole idea of it literally means, holy literally means set apart. And that's what holy means, is to be set apart. It, it, it's like in some families, you know, you have the, the fine china and silverware, and when you know, there's a special occasion, you use that. You, know, every, you have your common uh, uh, dishes and stuff that you use during you know, all the rest of the time. But then when you invite me over to dinners, I've got to bring the fine china out now, and you get that special china. And, and that's that idea. It's, it's set apart. It is set apart from something that is common and is usually in service and in worship to God. So that's one part, one side of holiness. The other side is this idea of being spiritually whole. Being spiritually whole. It, 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 it means, um, it has a meaning of being pure in heart. You know, what we think of holiness, pure in heart, godly, pious, acceptable to God. And so something that is sacred, something that is sacred is something that is holy and set apart. It's something that God has designed uh, specifically to be set apart from the rest of, of the common things. And so what they did was, even when they were um, looking and, and copying the manuscripts from the Bible, they would, you know, they would write with a pen, and whenever they came to the word God, they would, they would have a holy pen they put down and get a pen just used to write the name of God in it, all right? And that's the idea 
of holiness. And, uh, and this whole chapter is about that. And, and there's a, a video, this is a little longer one, but it's Francis Chan talking about the sacredness of the church. So here's Francis, my bud. Okay, so this week you guys read the chapter on sacred. That was probably my favorite chapter, um, just to meditate on those verses of just what we're a part of is something so, so massive. I hope you see that. I hope you, 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 you showed up to the gathering this week going, wow, I can't believe I'm a part of the body of Christ. It's a big deal. But I want to ask you something. If, if God gave you, let's say God gave you, handed you a diamond ring and said, I want you to protect this. Don't let anything happen to this ring. Okay, that's, that's your whole point of your existence is don't let anything, don't let this ring be damaged. Like, imagine what you would do if you realized God Almighty entrusted you with this. Like, you'd probably lock it up, you know, in some uh, bulletproof container that's fireproof, that's everything else. Maybe put it in, a, you know, the most secure bank. Maybe, I, I don't know, you know, arm yourself, you know, like just dig a hole, bury it. You, you just, you're going to protect it. Every, you know, with everything you can, with all your resources, I can't let anything happen to it. See, and that's what uh, Paul saw himself. It says in, uh, in 1 Corinthians, I don't know if you ever noticed that phrase before in uh, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 1, where he says, this is how one should regard us, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. So he was given stewardship, like that diamond ring that you would be given stewardship. I better protect this. Paul's job is, this is all I want to be known as, is the guy that's trying to steward, to protect the mysteries of God. This is, I have to make sure that people understand how powerful these mysteries are. I have to make sure they don't get cheapened. I am a steward of the mysteries of God. I love what he says to the Ephesians um, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8. He says, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for all ages in God, for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Paul saw himself as the steward. He saw himself like, God gave me this grace. I am going to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. I mean, this is something that is so massive. So to him, I've got to steward this well. To him, I, I got to make sure they understand how unsearchable his riches are. So I am failing if I don't get people to understand how unsearchable the riches of Christ are. 
if they don't see these mysteries of God as so powerful. That's why I look back and I go, gosh, I don't think I did a great job. Paul was this expert builder, he says in, in 1 Corinthians. He was working very hard to make sure it was not about himself. You know, that, that it wasn't about his eloquent speech or his superior wisdom. It had to be about the mysteries of God. It had to be about the unsearchable riches of Christ. That's why we have to be very careful in how we operate as the church. You, you know, we, we can cheapen the mysteries of God. We can cheapen the unsearchable riches of Christ. If people are more attractive more attracted to a person, a preaching style, um, a style of music. And these are the things that we're going to be talking about and as we gather, rather than the sacred things of the unsearchable riches of Christ. We just want to be careful that we're leading people in such a way that they value Jesus, that their speech is about Jesus, that they just are in awe of Jesus and his unsearchable riches. I mean, that passage in Ephesians 5 gets me every time when he talks about how, verse 29, no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. to marvel over the fact that God looks at me right now as an extension of his body. God, the holy, holy, holy creator who was and is and is to come, nourishes and cherishes me because I'm a member of his body. That's why we gather. That has to be why we gather. To remind each other of how good we have it. See, people are going to gather every week and they'll come as victims. That's very popular nowadays. Everyone's a victim. Poor me. And when the church gathers together, <laughs> we're reminding each other, no, are you kidding? You've got the unsearchable riches of Christ. You're a member of his body. As we get the honor of breaking bread and drinking of the cup, we're holding on to something sacred. And so, as you discuss today, somehow the goal has to be that everyone's astounded that they're a member of the body of Christ, that they recognize that they're a part of something sacred, because I feel like we've lost this in the church, um, and we get way too excited about other things, and... We live in a very weird time. You look at the whole Old Testament. Do you think anyone in the Old Testament ever said, ah, I don't know if I'm going to go to the sacrifices today. Depends on who's actually sacrificing. That's weird. No, you went because it was an honor to go 
and have your sins forgiven. Like it wasn't about a person. You think the angels are all out day and night going, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come ever look at each other and go, mm, it wasn't that good today. And yet that's normal conversation. You may leave your small group tonight and go, eh. Like, we don't ever want to be those types of people. We want to recognize we're a part of something so sacred. And what an honor to come together as the body of Christ and to speak to him. And what a thrill that is. And so if you didn't come with that attitude, I hope that you leave with it. And I hope that you spur one another on to leave with that sense of awe that you got to partake in something so sacred. Let's pray. Father, we just pray and that you would speak to us. We just say, come Holy Spirit, that um, help us to see beyond what we have seen. Help us to open our hearts for what you have for us, that we would grab hold, that we would hear you loud and clear in your word, that we would understand the sacredness, the holiness of your body called the church. Speak to us now. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. See, God designed the church to be something that was set apart from the world. Um, and it was to be set apart for a very, very significant purpose. That, that God's design for the church is, is so different than what we often see in the world today. At its birth in the book of Acts, what, what you saw was um, something really different with that early church. Uh, they functioned very differently from the culture. There was something different about them. Um, Dave read last week from Acts chapter, uh, chapter 2 describing what the church was about. And the reason why people were, became a part of that church was not about what they could get. It wasn't about what they would receive. That, that, that they, 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 they joined in because they had experienced the love of Jesus and made a decision to be his disciples. You know, that's why they joined in. That, that they decided, you know what? I gotta follow Jesus. It doesn't matter what the cost is. I gotta. It wasn't about being a consumer. It was about being a committed follower. That there was no other reason other than following Jesus was that reason. And, and we look, and it's just so different than how things are today. And, and, you know, it's so easy today to say that church and being a part of church is, is what I can get out of it. You know, oh, what's in this for me? You know, uh, how can I be blessed? That if I go to church, God, will you bless me? And it, it's so different, and in, in a real way. And I get really sad about this, and I just say, God, please forgive me, forgive us. That in a real way, the church here in America has taken on the value of the culture rather than the design that God created us with and for, right? That, that there's so many statistics going around that there's no difference 
uh, with people and the way they live inside the church and outside the church. Divorce rates about the same, all kinds of things. And it's like, man, you know, I, I think we're missing something. You know, that there has to be a difference. You know, from the very get-go, God said, there had to be a difference. He designed us to be different. He said that we're to be holy. And in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said, Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, or the word ecclesia, and the powers of hell will not conquer that. And that word ecclesia is a word most often most commonly translated to what we have as church in the New Testament. Whenever you see church, it's probably the word ecclesia. That happens about 110 times in the New Testament. And that word, surprisingly, was not a religious word. Ecclesia wasn't this religious word that Jesus said, that's a perfect word. No, it was a secular term. It was used in the Roman and Greek empires, and it and it talked about, it was like this secular gathering. And, and this group that got together, an assembly that were operating out in the marketplace. It was nothing to do with religion. It was out there in the marketplace. And the focus was on the people, not where they gathered or it wasn't an institution. It was simply a, a secular gathering. Ed Silvoso in his book, Ecclesia, wrote this. Jesus did not state, I will build my temple or I will build my synagogue, the two most prominent Jewish religious institutions at the time. Instead, he chose a secular entity first developed by the Greeks when he said, I will build my church, my ecclesia. And in the New Testament, the word church, and and whenever you see church, it always referred to people. It um, It always referred to people gathering together, never to buildings. That the church, when God designed the church, it was to be this, this, this um, group of people, people operating 24-7, meeting together and meeting in homes and all over the city. And it was, a, it was an entity, it was a body, it was embedded into the life of the community and the culture. It wasn't just off on the side, but it was right there in the middle. And it wasn't this static institution or it wasn't just this location. You know, it always referred to people. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 47, we read that they worshiped together, they prayed together, they learned together, they experienced miracles, they, they loved each other. And they loved all the people in the city. And the crazy thing is, in Acts chapter 2, verse 47, it says they experienced the goodwill of all people, inside the church and outside the church. And, and it was a result of what God was doing and their authentic passion and love for Jesus and love for each other as they, just, as they shared and they, they loved with action. And not just words. And it was, it was that, that, that difference that people go, you know what, there's something special about that. And they joined in. And, and I love what Ed Silvoso writes when he says about the church. He says the church's objective was not the transformation of people. No, the, the objective of the church was the transformation 
of people and of society rather than acting as a transfer station for saved souls bound for heaven. So often the church becomes this transfer station where people who have accepted Jesus as their Savior, we just kind of gather together and we sing Kumbaya, we're having a great time, and we're just waiting to that for a ticket to get to heaven. And he says, that's not what the church was all about. That the church had a mission, and it was to be out in the community. It was to be something so different, but it was to be out there, not hidden away. And that's why he used that word, ecclesia, to remind us all. And the church was designed to be something sacred. The church was active, and it was something very sacred to God. In Ephesians 5, what Francis was talking about, verse 29, after all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm, you know, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. See, Jesus loves the church because the church is his own body. And you know how we try as best we can to take care of our bodies, right? Some of us more than others, but we care about our bodies, right? We see the, the food filled with fat and juiciness and taste, and we go, no! And we go for the delicious vegetables here, right? Why do we do that? Because we love and we care. And, and, and Paul is saying that's the way Jesus loves his body. You know? And then he talks, says something really strange. He says, like, a, a, a husband, a man will leave his father and mother and be united and become one flesh with, with his wife. And he's saying, see, that's the mystery of the church, that that. God, Jesus wants to be one flesh, is one, because we're his body, and this is profound mystery. And, and that word mystery, when it's used in the Bible, it's, something, it's, something, it's about something wonderful. It's about something wonderful that was hidden, but now is revealed by Jesus. And he says, you know, Jesus is revealing this amazing mystery. You know, and the mystery is this. That, that he's raising up, he's calling together people to make up his body and that he's going to love, that they're going to, be, they're going to literally be the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 1-2, in writing this letter, Paul writes this, in writing this letter addressed to the community of God throughout the city of Corinth, you have been made pure, set apart in the anointed one, not by the anointed one, in the anointed one, Jesus. And God invited you to be his devoted and holy people. And not only you, but everyone everywhere who calls on the name of our Lord Jesus. You know? and, and we see God's extreme love for his church. That the church is to be holy, set apart. God's given them a purpose and a mission and as Francis Chan says, and he writes in the chapter, he says, there is no greater honor on earth you know, than to be a part 
of God's church. See, let God speak to you that, that the church is more than what we do on Sunday morning. You know, the church is more than a service. The church is more than this place that we gather here. The church is, is all of us. The church is all of us together. And we make up this mysterious thing called the body of Christ. And God loves us so, so much that he feeds and he nourishes us. And there's a sacredness in being the church, but there's a sacredness in being an individual part of the church. That each one of us, every single one of us, there is a sacredness in being an individual part of the church. In Colossians 1.27, Dave referred to this last week. To them those followers, the body of Christ, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery again, which is Christ in you. That's a mystery. Jesus Christ lives in us. How do you explain that? It's a mystery. The hope of glory. God has called you. God has chosen you. And he sets you apart for a high calling. To make known, make known, really, the mystery, the good news that was hidden and now revealed in Jesus. See? That God has handpicked you. And that, that the hope of the world, can you imagine? Okay, okay. The hope of the world lives inside of you. The hope of the world, of the whole world, lives inside of you. In other words, you're sacred, that you're sacred, that you've been set apart, that, that God, in his wisdom, when he created you, he, he said, I, I created, you know, you know, he said, you are his masterpieces in, in Ephesians chapter 2. You are his masterpieces created by him before, you know, time began. And he had a design, and part of his design was you were to be a member of his body. And there's a sacredness to that. And if that sounds like, no, that's crazy. Now that's, that's just crazy. 1 Corinthians 3, 16. Don't you realize that all of you together, okay, and he's speaking to a group of people who understood what a synagogue was, what the temple was, and he's saying, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God? And the Spirit of God lives in you. And God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple. For this temple is holy and you are his, that temple. Friends, you're holy. That you're sacred. That, that God loves you with a passion. That when he looks at us gathered, he says, that's my temple. And Christ is there in our midst. How often do we come here and we gather together and we say, whoa, God is in our midst. You know, God is in our midst. God is living inside each one of us. That I am a sacred, set-apart, holy member, literal 
part of his body. And with this unbelievable privilege comes a responsibility. That's what 1 Peter 1 is talking about, verse 13. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put what? All your hope in the gracious salvation that will, be, that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as what? As God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy what? Your own desires. We all got those. And, and he's saying, the Bible's saying, but you've been set apart. You're now a literal member of God's body. Don't slip back. Don't slip back. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. Holy is who God is. Holy is who we are. That you and I, you've been set apart. You've been set apart by God. That you've been set apart by God. We all, when we gather, this is a gathering of people who have been set apart by God. When God looks at, that's my body. That's my literal body. You know, it isn't just this nice illustration. That's who we are. And we come together. And God says, church, I'm holy. I'm holy. And I've called you to be holy. See, in reading this chapter, God was lovingly convicting me of of not really seeing his church as sacred. You know, some of you know, most of you know, probably know, that I don't, I don't really like religion. You know, I'm just, I have an aversion to religion. Um, I, I, I think being religious to me, when I think of religion, religion is, is really focusing on, and puts the focus on people and not on God. It focuses on, on what we do and not what God does. It's like, it's like this man-centered thing. And I realize that I have mistaken, I made a mistake by looking at religiosity with being irreverent before God Almighty. And that I really need to recognize, really, the sacredness, the sacredness of his body, the church. Because, you know, in my, in my zeal to, to not be religious, to be irreligious in some ways, sometimes I, I tend to be irreverent, right? And I, 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 I cheapen what it means to be the church and a follower of Christ and all that. And I don't mean to do that. And I said, oh, God, I am so sorry. And I had to repent. You know, I had to repent. That, that like, you know, there's something sacred here. That I realized that if the church is sacred and that we're all part of something sacred, 
that our focus has to be on pleasing God, no matter what the cost. And as a pastor and a leader, it's really tempting. I'm going to tell you guys, okay, um, confession. It's really easy to be here and to lead something and try to please people and all of you. You know, it's like, man, I got I to gotta do something. I got I to gotta, I gotta, I gotta do stuff. We got to make sure that people are happy so they keep coming back. That I gotta somehow maybe even entertain so that people say, well, you know, that was worth my time to come. Because you know, everybody's really busy, right? And it's like, why would they come? You know, John Ford in the back has to DVR games to come here. Because the Patriots play early in the morning most of the time. Not that I really care about the anyway, but but you see, it's like, man, you know, there's such a, a, a temptation to please. And what God was saying is, Mark, my church is sacred. It's a sacred, holy, set-apart thing. And if you really believe that, then your focus has to be on pleasing God and God alone. That's got to be our focus. That, that our focus has to be on, on what God wants us to do. What God wants us to be. And, and it's, it's like, it's, it's being a person you know, that God is looking for. And, and, our, and our job is to raise up people, all of us here, to be people who is who are faithful and fruitful and fulfilled. And, and, it, and it starts here in seeing the church and each other as sacred, holy, set apart. And that's where it all begins. We've got to see the church as God sees the church. That we, we have to be different. God designed us to be different. And, and in our difference, there's going to be times where we're not going to be really popular in the world. You know, we're going to believe things that the whole world is saying, that's a little too intolerant, that's hateful, that's this and that's that. That that, that we're going to come face to face with things like, oh, no, but I really like that. I, I, you know, my family is everything to me. I don't think I can put anything above my family. You know, my job, my job is like, you know, Mark, if I don't work, my family goes hungry. And whatever it is, I'd say, We've got to see the church as sacred. And, and we've got to see that the church has been set apart. For what reason? To be the literal body of Jesus. His hands and his feet. That's who we are.
We've got to be different. If we're going to be where we are, going to be the church that God's called us to be, that's where it starts. That we're sacred. This church, whenever we gather, there's a sacredness. And let's never forget that. Me, first and foremost. We don't have to be religious. I don't think, I, I know God doesn't want us to be religious. But he wants us to have a passion and to see the church as sacred. As sacred. This week, when you're in your life groups, as you go through this chapter, just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you and give you the grace to walk as someone who's sacred. Give him, ask him to give you eyes, new eyes to see the church, who we really are, a literal body of the Lord Jesus. That's where we're headed, and this is where it starts. Why don't you stand with me, and we're going to pray. Father, first, I just, again, I just ask for your forgiveness for just being so tempted and giving in to temptation to, to not seek to please you, but to please people. Forgive me, God. And help us to be the church that you've designed us to be to make an impact, to make a difference, not just by our words. Talk is cheap. But by who we are, that there's something set apart and different about the way we choose to live, which is in following you, Jesus. And by the way we live and the way we love, that is what would draw people to you. And so, Father, I pray, will you help us all to see your church, to see ourselves as sacred, holy, and set apart. And for that privilege that we have, we say thank you in Jesus' name. You know, as we sing this closing song, it...